Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, app, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. If you like the show, hit the subscribe button, notifications bell on YouTube as well, so you know when we post the new content. Because right now, we got some good content to talk to you about. Because football season, as this is released on Tuesday the 23rd, 16 days away from opening night of the 2022 NFL season, how could you not be excited? The preseason's halfway done, give or take. It's about to be wrapped up, and we're doing our fantasy drafts, and we're getting jacked up. So let's talk about some football today on the agenda. It's just me, and we're going to talk about the five big NFL questions I have going into this year. Some are simple, and you expect. Some are a little more interesting. And, of course, we got some Giants-Jets question uh, at the end there, too, to just fill that appetite for us New York football fans because, yeah, us New York football fans, you know, we got to look at the NFL at large a little bit when we're talking about winners, but we still care about our teams. And we do know that this year is really important for both the Jets and Giants. Uh, for the Jets, obviously, with Zach Wilson getting healthy, seeing if he takes steps in the right directions and how much longer they might stick with him at quarterback if he could solidify himself as a franchise guy. Daniel Jones, a couple years into the future already on that front, this is the last shot for Daniel Jones. Unless he can put points on the board, can score touchdowns, he's done, right? You can't throw 20-plus touchdowns as a rookie and then go for 11 and 10 touchdowns in your second and third year. That ain't going to fly. If he don't eclipse 24, 25, I don't even want to have a conversation about it because that is not going to cut it. So we'll get to the Giants and Jets later. Real quick, though, we must talk about our friends over at DraftKings because college football is back, and it's time to get those Saturdays going, the Saturday tradition, the fun, and, of course, the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of year right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly. Win or lose. I got to explain that twice with people sometimes. Just put $5 on any team. You don't even have to get it right, and you get $200 in free bets. And if that's not enough action for you, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will win, who will score first, the over-under, maybe some player props. And I'm thinking right here, yeah, the Mets lost game one against the Yankees on Monday night. But if you're listening to this on Tuesday, get in on some of this action. Get the Mets to win plus 100. Pete Alonso to get out of the slump, hit a home run. And we like... Uh, Taiwan Walker over on his strikeouts and maybe uh, maybe a little over on the game as well. I think there might be some runs on Tuesday night. I think that same game parlay sounds just right. DraftKings is also safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPM. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code TBPM only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. One per new customer, minimum $5 deposit and wager, $200 issued as eight 
$25 free bets. But first off, let's start with our big question number one. It's a question that you kind of have to ask. And this year, it might be a little simple, and I think that's okay. So first question, who is the true number one contender in the NFL in 2022? So when you think about true NFL contender, that means to win the Super Bowl, right? So we're not talking about a team that's going to be a lock to make the playoffs if we don't have playoff expectations. And the way this one is uh, really shaping out here, it's almost an easy answer because you have some teams around the number one odds to win the Super Bowl with serious question marks, if you ask me. But if you go to that number one team, the Buffalo Bills, I think it is very easy to believe and understand that this is the team to beat in the NFL. And here's why they were knocking at the door last year. Josh Allen had another amazing season. He seems to be getting better and better. The only negative you can really add to this team is that they lost their offensive coordinator in Brian Dable, but otherwise they play in a very manageable division. The Patriots will be decent. The Dolphins should be decent. The Jets will not be very good, but the very manageable, they should win a lot of division games and their schedule, you know, it, it, it stretches out to be somewhere in that middle range. We'll get to that in a second. But at plus 550 odds, clearly the best odds in the league, that that says something about the story, right? I think that could even be a little bit better. I think plus 550 is reasonable for them because you think about the, the next couple teams. Look at that right there. If you're watching on YouTube, you got the Buck, uh, the Bills at plus 550. After that, the Buccaneers at plus 750. Packers plus 900. Chiefs plus 1,000. On to the Rams, Chargers, Niners, Broncos, etc. Think about those other teams right now. Tom Brady is another year older who just showed up to camp. His roster is older, getting banged up on the offensive line. No more Rob Gronkowski. Mike Evans a year older. Godwin off an ACL injury. Leonard Fournette looking pretty good, but he's not going to carry the offense. The Bucs shouldn't be number two here, but the respect of Tom Brady, a respect of a team that has been in it to win it two years in a row now and won it two years ago, I get why they're towards the top of this list, but it doesn't make me feel inspired about the second best team in the league. The Green Bay Packers, a very similar situation. They lose their number one receiver in Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers, another year old, older, off multiple MVPs in a row at this point. The defense is decent. The offense, we'll see. They lost some O-line help a little bit there as well. And, and if you think about the core that we got so used to just putting up points every single week in Green Bay, that core is not quite there. You know, say what you want about Marcus Valdez-Scantling. He's not that special, but he was another guy Aaron Rodgers trusted. Aaron Jones is still there, and A.J. Dillon's still there. But is this team really going to be a fully run-committed team that's going to run the ball down people's throats and win games with defense and ball control? I don't see that happening, but I don't see a path for Aaron Rodgers to, to get even close to another MVP-caliber season. So do you feel good about them being ranked the third-best odds to win the Super Bowl? I don't. Plus 900. Move on to the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 1,000. You're always going to have the Chiefs in the top five Super Bowl odds as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and especially if Andy Reid is the head coach. But we know it's been talked about over and over again of the loss of Tyreek Hill. They still got Travis Kelsey. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. They get in uh, Sky Moore, the rookie receiver. They're hoping something for. But is it going to be the same spark, the same just in your face, nonstop 
point scoring juggernaut that the Chiefs have been in Patrick Mahomes' tenure, it's hard to comprehend how that's going to take place with their running game being pretty meh to non-existent at times, their defense being absolutely a liability at different times of last year, and their offense really ebbing and flowing their way to being that top 10, top 5 level offense that they uh, are known to be. They weren't that last year for a good chunk. So a lot of talk about defenses figuring out Mahomes. I'm not going to buy into that, but you combine some of that with the lack of talent or the loss of talent for the Chiefs, and I don't feel great about them being number four here either. The Rams are are, are Super Bowl defending champions here at plus 1,200, the fifth best odds. We know what it takes to repeat in the NFL. It happens so infrequently, so infrequently. Even the best teams in the history struggle to win more than one Super Bowl in a row. A lot of times you'll see a, a Patriots situation. They won a couple in a couple years, right? So do you expect the Rams to truly be that number one contender again? With Stafford always going to be playing through injuries, you know how he does it. McVay and that team will be good. I trust them to make the playoffs, to be a good team, et cetera. But I'm not looking at them as number one contender because I can't even trust them to be the best team in their division this year with uh, the 49ers and Shanahan and Trey Lance, as well as Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, possibly uh, hanging around and taking a step up despite that feeling unlikely as well. So out of those top five or six teams, like I'm not feeling that strong. And the Chargers, who are number six here at plus 1,400, they have to do it. It comes to a point where, yes, Herbert is electric. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, great. Uh, Eckler's still very good. The defense is talented out the ass. I get it. I love the Chargers. It's easy to want to root for the Chargers. However, I ain't calling them a number one contender until they're 10-2 and two rolling their way through the league. Because you got to do it. Seeing is believing in the NFL. And until they get there, I can predict all I want. I would be lying to you if I said I was confident the Chargers can be better than the Buffalo Bills, especially since the Chargers have one of the hardest schedules in the entire NFL. We'll take a sneak peek at that little list here um, based off sharp football analysis. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can look along, but I'll explain it for you guys. The AFC West is a juggernaut. We know it. Chiefs. Chargers, Raiders, Broncos. Guess who has the three hardest schedules in the league? Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos somehow escaped to somewhere a little closer to the middle of the pack. But that's tough. And when you think about the Buffalo Bills having a very middle of the pack schedule with a division much more manageable than the AFC West, I cannot trust with any semblance of faith that the Chargers are going to be a bigger contender than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So there's question number one. Is it by default? A little bit. It's a little bit by default, but that's okay because when you have nits to pick with all these other teams across the board and you have no nits to pick really with the Buffalo Bills outside of losing their OC, but retaining the quarterback who made all this realistic and made this all possible, I'm rolling with the Bills all day in that conversation when literally, as I just went through, the next five teams have big question marks, big time changes, big time losses from talent perspective on their rosters. So the Bills are projected to be the number one contender, and I say they will be the number one contender. So let's go on to our second big question of the NFL this season and talk about sleepers. Everyone loves sleepers. We all love talking about sleepers and, and what they can do uh, going into the playoffs and possibly being a Super Bowl contender, etc. Nine times out of 10, 
every person you know who says, you know who I really like this year? The Lions. You've seen Dan Campbell on Hard Knocks? Yeah, sick football guy. Yeah, I love it too. Dan Campbell's awesome. I think the Lions will be better, but they ain't a sleeper. What are they going to do, win seven games this year? It will be awesome if they did, but they're not winning 10. They're not getting to the top of the NFC North. That ain't happening, right? So where do you want to go when you're even talking about a sleeper in general? I tried to do a little bit of a threshold here where I looked at playoff odds. I wanted them to be a little bit closer to even or plus odds, but it's really tough. Like all the teams that have plus odds to make the playoffs have that for a reason, right? So the Jets and the Giants right here, they're plus odds to make the playoffs because they stink. And it's probably not likely for them to make a run higher than seven wins. So I went a little bit different. I combined a threshold with, you know, uh, the regular season. Uh, win totals along with playoff odds, along with Super Bowl odds, because you got to talk about all of that to find what it is to be a true sleeper. All right. So I'm going to go with a team that is getting some hype. So it makes them a little less sleepy because people are saying this out loud, but I'm going to stick with it. They're still projected to not win their division. They have just below even odds. So just in the minus 150 range to make the playoffs. And they have a new offensive coordinator, new head coach in town, and a quarterback who we love to make fun of. It's Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, if you've been watching Subway Sports Talk, either here on the podcast or on YouTube or on Instagram and and TikTok with the picks that I make and Pat Boyle make week to week, you know how much I loved betting on the Vikings last year in certain spots. I was relatively successful in doing so, even though they ended up being about even uh, in in their against the spread record last year. But all the things that we complained about over and over again with the Minnesota Vikings, where's the aggression? Where is the foot on the gas, the throat, just pushing your opponent down to the ground and winning games? It always felt like they were playing tight games into the fourth quarter. It always felt like they were not taking advantage of their advantages. And it was in part because of their offensive scheme. It was part because of Mike Zimmer being a little bit more conservative of a head coach and also obviously in part because of Kirk Cousins and how much people can trust him to actually make the big play, to make the extended play and not just take a check down or or, or take a, a five yard out on a third and 11. It's something that's been frustrating with him for years, but you have to ask yourself, is that Kirk Cousins true and true? Or is that the whole system that has been put in place in Minnesota around him? I say it's a little bit of both, but there has been a lot of reason to see Kirk Cousins taking that step and just ripping the Band-Aid off and letting it fly a little bit. And, and this is the year to do it. We know we, we got the Rams coach in Minnesota now. There's going to be a more balanced scheme, a little more passing, a little more down the field action, and they have the weapons to do it. Everyone talks about Justin Jefferson. That dude's an absolute stud. If I did a big question on who would have the best receiver season in 2022, it'd be hard to not pick him based off Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay, going to Oakland, or I'm sorry, Las Vegas, and uh, Cooper Cup just likely to have some sort of regression in the negative sense that he can't get that many targets and that many catches and that many touchdowns again. I might be wrong, but Justin Jefferson is poised for an enormous, enormous season. Don't forget that Adam Thielen is a red zone dynamo. He gets in the end zone with the best of them in fantasy purposes. He ended up being way higher ranked than you would have ever thought because of that touchdown efficiency. And you know, Kirk likes to find him there. If he can stay healthy, that's such a dynamic 
receiver threat that you can't really top it, especially now in that division. The Bears are terrible. The Lions are okay. They'll be feisty. The Packers are expected to win that division by a decent chunk, but we have question marks we just talked about with the Green Bay Packers, and they're serious. They're real. It's going to be very different watching Aaron Rodgers play without a Devontae Adams, without even a number three in Valdez-Scantling. Is Lazard and, and the rookie Watson going to be able to to steady that ship from the passing attack. Is Aaron Jones going to get 150 targets this year? I don't know. If you have him in fantasy, you're hoping for it. But right now, I love the Minnesota Vikings. They are uh, at plus 3,500 to win the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, listen, sleepers are not meant to win the Super Bowl. They're meant to make some noise. They're meant to make a splash. And that's why I am going with the Vikings here as my sleeper because, you know, as much as they're expected to be competitive, they're not expected to win the division. They're only minus 115 to make the playoffs. And uh, they're, they're just always looked at as a meddling franchise with a meddling quarterback and a team that always leaves something to be desired for. But this might be their time to strike. They are currently plus 260 to win the NFC North. Packers one minus 190, which is a decent chunk. For reference there, like, some of the better teams in the league are hardly better than that, right? The Bills are minus 230 to win their division. Packers minus 190. The Packers are still have a top three uh, over under in the league this year as far as win totals. Buccaneers minus 250. So that qualifies the Vikings as a sleeper to me. They still have Dalvin Cook. They still have uh, Alexander Madison to back up Dalvin Cook. And they got a Kirk Cousins with a new staff and hopefully some new empowerment ready to take some risks and make some exciting things happen. If you have Justin Jefferson in your fantasy league this year, shout out to you. He'll likely go absolutely off. Let's move on to our third question of the 2022 NFL season and talk about who will win the MVP in 2022. MVP is a very hard thing to predict, and it, it has been a quarterback obviously every single year, basically over the past, however many years, it's been a long time. So we know we had the Cooper cup flirtation last year. We had the Jonathan Taylor flirtation last year, but let's be real. If you're trying to win money betting on the NFL MVP, you have to look at every single quarterback in the league, or at least the top half of quarterbacks, because there is a history here where some quarterbacks can take massive leaps. So we're going to talk about three options here. We're going to talk about a sound option, which is a nice bet that's not too crazy. We're going to talk about a medium range option, and we're going to talk about a long shot option. So let's start with the top tier here. And I think the obvious answer is Justin Herbert. Now, obviously, if you want to go Josh Allen plus 650, I'm all for it, right? Plus 650, you can still get a good return, even though it's the lowest odds uh, in the entire league. But if they're going to be the best team, they're going to win 13 wins there's just a great chance that he will be the MVP, especially if he runs in some touchdowns and throws 35 to 40 uh, as well. That's just, that's just a matter of fact, but let's go to Justin Herbert here. He's taken a little leap each of a, each of his first two years last year, even better. He has the electric throws. He has the mobility to throw on the run. He has the threats on his offense to make huge plays. I think it's going to be a very fun offense to watch. Their schedule makes it really tough because I talked about it before talking about number one contenders, in order for Justin Herbert to win the MVP, the Chargers have to have 12-plus wins. That's just what it is. If they're not winning their division, 
if they're trailing to Patrick Mahomes or the Raiders or even the Denver Broncos, which is another thing we can talk about in a little bit here, like he ain't winning the MVP. I don't care what his numbers look like. If they're losing close games, if they're going forward on fourth down and not getting it, I don't care if it's his fault or Staley's fault. He ain't winning the MVP, but I still love the upside plus 900, a guy with the electric factor of throwing bombs, throwing missiles, and hitting all his receivers in all their spots and putting up silly numbers. If that team wins games, he'll be a very likely candidate to win MVP. If they're eight and two, 10 and three, something in that range here with a chance to win 13 games, his odds will not be 900 anymore. He'll probably be in the 400 range or less, of course, unless Josh Allen and the Bills are doing very similarly similarly up in Buffalo. So let's take off Justin Herbert here and talk about another uh, middle range option. I want to say Lamar Jackson. I really, really do. I want to say Lamar as that mid range option to win MVP, but it is hard to win too. It's hard to get a second one. And I think with the receiver talent that they didn't add in Baltimore, that they didn't bring to the table to help out their star quarterback. I don't want to say franchise because I haven't paid the man yet, but they didn't give him the options he needed. However, I do think he will never run for zero touchdowns again as long as he plays more than freaking six games in the NFL season again. He ran for none last year. The regression for that is positive. He will run some touchdowns in. He will get close. I think they have to run away with the AFC North in order for that. So I'm not going to pick him as my mid-range option. Instead, I'm going to go to a guy in the AFC West, and it's Derek Carr. He's flirted once before. He's been in the MVP conversation once before in his life. And if he will ever do it again, how would it not be this year? Just think about the options he has to throw to. His top three options alone. Devontae Adams, perhaps the best wide receiver in the NFL. Hunter Renfro, perhaps the best slot wide receiver in the NFL, if not top four at the job. And then Darren Waller, a top five tight end who's an absolute stud vertically in between the numbers the whole nine. So if there's a year for the Raiders and Derek Carr to make some noise, it's this year. And he's got to do it because if he falls on his face and he's throwing picks or he's throwing checkdowns and he's not giving some of his guys a chance to make big plays and pushing the ball downfield, it'll be a huge failure in Las Vegas. That's not what I expect to happen. Now, Josh McDaniels as the new coach over there in Las Vegas, it makes me a little bit nervous if I had to be completely honest because we all know what he's done in New England. We all know what he's done with Tom Brady. However, there's only a few little tidbits of seasons and data to look at that don't include Tom Brady, one in which includes Mac Jones last year, and that was a much more managerial style of offense, and that's not a knock on McDaniels. It's not a knock on Mac Jones. It's not a knock on Belichick or the Patriots for that matter. That was their best option to win last year was to run the ball down people's throats when Harris or Stevenson were cooking, so were the Patriots, and Mac Jones really took off after that run game was established and then they let him get a little bit more comfortable with the offense. But you never watched them and said, yeah, they're pushing the ball. They're making big plays. They're putting up crooked numbers in quarters. That's not how it really worked in New England, and it never did. Even for a lot of the years with Tom Brady, that's just not how it worked. It was sustainable drives. It was Tom Brady and McDaniels orchestrating that offense together. And, and otherwise, it's Matt Castle. It's a weird Denver stint, and, and it's not much for Josh McDaniels. So do you trust him? I think if he doesn't, 
take chances, if he's not taking big shots down the field to those three guys that I mentioned, plus some others, what are you doing? Why are you even there? Why are you taking your quarterback and ripping away all of his freedom, all of his power? Because Derek Carr throws a freaking good deep ball. And if Devonta Adams ain't getting the targets, if he ain't getting the red zone targets, if Waller ain't getting the targets, what are we doing? You got playmakers, let them make plays. Derek Carr is a very solid option, plus 2,800. A little bit of a long shot, uh, but not the biggest long shot, if you ask me. Because here's the big long shot. Here's the big one. There has been some quarterbacks in their second years to make serious runs at the MVP and serious runs at playoff berths and Super Bowl berths and Super Bowl titles. If you don't know where I'm going, I'm going with Trey Lance at plus 4,000. It sounds insane. The guy's thrown like freaking 100 passes in the last three years of playing football, and, and he didn't look great doing it last year. However, you look at this team, you understand what Kyle Shanahan has done in the past, and you see a guy who can put up some silly numbers if he throws for some touchdowns, runs for some touchdowns, he can be one of those guys like Lamar Jackson in year two, like Carson Wentz in year two, who take the league by storm. And by week 12, we're saying, holy smokes, is this guy the MVP? Is Trey Lance the MVP? All of a sudden, week 12, he's got eight rushing touchdowns and 26 throwing touchdowns. And you're like, whoa, where did this come from? The Niners are killing it. And it's because Trey Lance is making big time plays. It was not easy, I imagine, to rip the Band-Aid off of Jimmy Garoppolo. But they did it this year, pretty much without hesitation. But when you have a guy who's won so many games for you in the last three years, who's made it to the Super Bowls, who's made it through playoff run after playoff run when he's healthy, to just go to a quarterback who looked pretty bad his rookie year, that means something coming from a guy in Kyle Shanahan who's put up awesome offenses even with some terrible quarterbacks. So if he finds that balance, if Trey Lance can be the playmaker so many people think he is, if he can connect on deep balls to Ayuk and to Debo Samuel, and he can keep the offense moving in those situations, we could blink and the statistics for Trey Lance can be off the charts. So I think plus 4,000 for Trey is a long shot. Obviously, that's why it's plus 4,000. But if you're looking for that diamond in the rough, Needle in the haystack? I don't know. Pick your cliche, and you might be finding Trey Lance with some good MVP odds going into the year. Who knows? He gets his odds down to plus 600, plus 800 from plus 4,000. You might be cashing out for double your money anyway, even if he doesn't win the MVP. I'm not putting much on this, but I'll sprinkle something and see if we get a taste with Trey Lance. All right. Question number four. Big NFL questions for 2022. Here's question number four. It's a question that's been asked before. Last year, it was perhaps for their counterpart. This year, it's being asked again. Can four AFC West teams make the playoffs? Can four teams in any division, realistically, make the playoffs? It's a hard proposition. It is. It's something that I don't. I actually don't know how many times it's happened in the NFL. Actually, it's probably never happened because they just added the wild card. So it's definitely never happened before. So there's definitely been three in the past, um, but there's been this question, can four teams from the same division make it? If you look at this, this, this NFL right now and you think about the possibilities of those teams doing so, 
you look through the AFC East and you say Jets, no way, right? They're not, they're not, they're not doing it. Patriots and Dolphins have a slight chance. We'll see, but that that ain't happening. AFC North, if the Steelers were still the Steelers, maybe they still will be the Steelers. Who knows if it's Pickett or if it's Trubisky. Mike Tomlin seems to win games every year. It's possible. The Browns with Deshaun Watson and his suspension. We'll see what they can do to hold up. It's possible. Bengals and Ravens are likely to make the playoffs. So that's two. That's not going to happen. AFC South. Next question. <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't happening. Texans? No. Jaguars? Maybe. Probably not. Uh, Titans and Colts? Maybe. Probably not. Okay. Uh, NFC. The A- NFC East. You get the Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders. Listen, we know the NFC East. I don't care that they got the easiest schedule. The Giants got the easiest. The Eagles got the second easiest. The Commanders and the Cowboys got easier schedules than most. We know how the NFC East works. It, it ain't happening. <laughs> it ain't happening. NFC North Bears. See you next time. Next question. NFC South, no way. Falcons, Panthers, no way. Saints and Bucks. I actually like the Saints this year. NFC West would have been possible if the Seahawks were still the Seahawks, but guess what? They ain't. They got Geno Smith and Drew Locke as their quarterback. And people aren't that high on the Cardinals right now. Perhaps some good time to get some value on the Arizona Cardinals, but that ain't happening. So that leaves us with the AFC West. That leaves us with four teams with really good quarterbacks and a lot of talent. A whole lot of talent. A lot of playmakers. If you had a bet off the jump, you know, who is making the playoffs out of out of those teams, out of that, out of that unit, you're probably gonna say that most likely to not make the playoffs would be the Raiders and the Broncos. However, we just talked about Derek Carr and his chance to make an MVP caliber season and to make splashes this year. And we talked about all the talent they have around him. We talked about a defense that was pretty damn good last year. Got after the passer pretty damn well. Max Crosby, what a player, amongst others. Talk about the Denver Broncos. They've been they've been knocking around. They've been at the door. They've been getting bounced to the back of the line from the bounce for the past couple of years without a quarterback, not really knowing what to do with themselves. They got two talented running backs in Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. They got a really good receiving core with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. Unfortunately, Tim Patrick got banged up. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but they're, they're a good team, and they got Russell Wilson. So Russell Wilson, over the past you know five years of his career, has basically been a walking playoff berth. Uh, last year aside, because of the injury, he missed a couple games. They still ended up with seven wins. He's basically been a walking playoff berth for a lot of his career. So what does that mean now? You got you got the uh, the Broncos and the Raiders with a little bit less of a chance to make the playoffs. You got the Chiefs and the Chargers, two teams that are looked to be top five teams in the NFL uh, with the quarterbacks, with the coaching, with the talent they have around them. That's a real possibility. So let's talk about this individually first. We'll talk about this one individually because this is the division that sets the mark for the question I'm getting to. Can four teams from one division make the playoffs? So for the Chargers, you got minus 200. For the Chiefs, you got minus 210. Um for the Denver Broncos, you got minus 145, also minus odds there. And last but not least, as I scroll here, I'm sorry, you have the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at plus 150. So the Raiders are the only team here with plus odds to make the playoffs here at plus 150. And that parlay, if you put it all together, uh, I don't know if you can actually do that. As a cannot parlay. It doesn't really matter what it clears uh, here. But if you go to your little specials here, 
and you get any four division, any division to have four teams in the playoffs, you get plus 1,200 odds. Plus 1,200. That's not too shabby. Now, I did mention one thing earlier that is going to come into play here, and that's the strength of schedule. The Chiefs have the hardest in the league. The Chargers have the second. The Raiders have the third. The Broncos somehow in the same division playing the same opponents, for the most part, those couple that make a big difference, push the Broncos all the way to the middle of the pack with the 17th hardest schedule, right smack in the middle. Can they do it? Can they do it? Here's the question to say if they can do it or not, right? You look at the AFC. If all four teams from the AFC West were to make the playoffs, that means the Jets, I'm sorry, the Dolphins, the Patriots, one of the Ravens or the Bengals or the Browns, and the Titans or Colts will not make the playoffs. Assuming the Bills win the AFC East, assuming the Ravens or Bengals win and one of them don't make it as a wild card, assuming the Titans or Colts win and one of them don't make it as a wild card, that's the ticket. I think it's possible. I'm going to sprinkle something on that plus 1,200 because I can't really imagine a world where the Bengals don't make the playoffs, but we know what has happened to teams after making the Super Bowl and not winning the Super Bowl. You make this crazy run. You can argue they shouldn't really have been there last year, right? Like if you really think about who were the best teams in the league last year, it was the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC. And if the Bills and Chiefs didn't face off against one another in that epic battle, the round before the Bengals in the AFC championship game, we might be talking about a very different story here. I think it's possible the Bengals don't make it. There's a really big time chance for regression with Jamar Chase. Is he going to have that insane efficiency again this year? It's hard to believe, but even if he doesn't, T. Higgins is the dude. T. Higgins is a beast. Joe Mixon had a very good la uh, year last year. And Joe Burrow, man. Joe Burrow is so calm, cool, collected, so solid, always making plays, always with his eyes downfield. It's hard to imagine him not being a walking playoff berth himself. But even though they've gotten a little better on defense, their defense is okay. It's like decent, right? Their offense was actually not even that special last year. It was just really explosive for spurts. Like consistently and looking at like DVO, DVOA uh, over the course of the year, they were really closer to average than elite. Do they really make that leap into the elite echelon of offenses this year? Are they going to really be able to roll with a Bills, Chargers, Chiefs, etc. over a 18-week season? It'll be tough because last year they really got in, you know, towards the end of the year. The Ravens were a disaster last year. They lost three starting running backs before the season started. Lamar Jackson missed a few games. Their number one receiver was still Hollywood Brown. They haven't really gotten better there, but whatever. Like their defense, their, their secondary was decimated. They had the worst injury luck in the, in the league last year, right? So I see the Ravens as being a much more likely chance to regress up and get back to the top of the AFC North. And that could leave a chance for the Bengals to win nine or 10 games and possibly not make the playoffs. And that's what you need. You need basically the worst team in the AFC West to get 10 and tiebreakers to work out in the favor. I think it's possible. It's worth a sprinkle. And I think it, I think it might happen because realistically, again, Russell Wilson, 
walking playoff berth in his career. Derek Carr made the playoffs last year on the up and up with more talent at his disposal. The Chiefs and Chargers are looked at as top five teams in the NFL for a reason. So there we go. There's your odds. There's your chance at four playoff teams from just one division. Last question of the five big NFL questions in 2022. Who has a better season? The Jets or the Giants? <laughs> who has a less worse season? The Jets or the Giants? That's the real question. It's not who's going to be better. Who's going to be less bad? Or maybe being bad might be good for the Giants. If Daniel Jones falls off the face of the earth and starts stinking it up and they're freaking two and 12, sure, being bad might be really good. There's a couple quarterbacks in this next class who are expected to be dudes, okay? So that's not the question, though. We're not asking who's going to be less worse. We're going to ask who's going to be better. Who's going to have a better year? Now, I'm not going to put this out as a simple one-to-one, you know, um, record versus record. There's a reason the Giants are projected at seven wins. There's a reason the Jets are projected at five and a half. There's a world where they both have six wins, and you can feel vastly different about one team season versus the other team season. So let's talk about some of the uh, less statistical things that make a, a season a success for franchises in the places of the Jets and Giants. Is one team more likely to know who their quarterback is next year? Yes, and it's the New York Jets and it's Zach Wilson. It's a little bit interesting to hear people in the profession, whether it be uh, past players, whether it be analysts and writers or whoever it may be, talk about Zach Wilson because one guy goes, oh my God, this guy has it all. He's got the arm. He's got the talent. He's got the mobility. He can make all the throws. I love him. And next guy says, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He doesn't know how to play quarterback. Yeah, he only looks good when he breaks down the pocket and, and gets outside and makes some schoolyard plays. That's when he. That's the only time he looks good. What does he do on pace? What does he do on his third step on the three-step drop? How, how often is that working out positively for Zach Wilson? That's the big question mark here. He has some talent around him. I love Love, love Elijah Moore in for a big season, getting overdrafted possibly in fantasy just because, you know, you can't really trust the Jets offense too much. But there's a chance we look at Zach Wilson after week 12 and say, you did enough, bro. You get another year to try to become a franchise quarterback because you're looking like you're on your way. Now, Daniel Jones, on the other hand, you know, you can make a lot of arguments. You can make a lot of excuses for Daniel Jones. But I'm kind of sick of doing that. I actually haven't really done it in two years. Yeah, he's had uh, three terrible or two terrible coaches at this point. Joe Judge, not very good. Jason Garrett, even worse. Like Jason Garrett is the worst thing that could have happened to Daniel Jones. You got a guy in Daniel Jones who's naturally a little conservative as a person. He's a little bit loose as a quarterback where he's losing the ball. He's taking risky throws. He's getting hit or he's fumbling or whatever. And you get Jason Garrett who just makes this mellow man and Daniel Jones give him more mellow and less opportunity to succeed and less things to highlight as far as his skill set and his actual talent. And it was just, it was measurable. And, and like everybody knew, everybody knew there are a couple giants fans out there who were like, you know, Jason Garrett, he did this with Dak Prescott. They had some good offenses over there. Like it was, maybe he'll be all right over here. It's like, yeah, well, they also had the best O-line in the league, elite running back quarterback threw something a lot quicker than Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott, a lot more wide receiver talent, better defense. Like, like it's not the same. It's not one-to-one. -one. The Cowboys won the games they won in spite of Jason Garrett. They won those games without 
the push from their offensive-minded head coach to do something special, right? So when Garrett came to the freaking offense coordinator of the Giants, we all knew it was terrible. Cowboy fans texted me. My friends said, yeah, good luck, man. First, first game of the year, if you drive right down the field, get in the red zone, don't score. Get used to that. That happens a lot with Jason Garrett. Yeah, and it did. That's exactly how it worked out. So yeah, Daniel Jones, he had a lot of guys uh, or a couple guys who didn't help him out. Yeah, he had a lot of injuries of players who were supposed to help him out who ended up not helping him out. He had no line that sucked. I get it. All these things are true. Guess what? I don't care. I don't want to make the excuse anymore. It's done. It's time to get rid of all excuses for DJ. Because even like even good quarterbacks, not even the great ones, not even the best of the best, overcome uh, roster deficiencies and overcome coaching deficiencies up to a point. I'm not expecting Daniel Jones to go ahead and be a number eight in the, in the league quarterback this year. No way. But he has to overcome some adversity. He has to score fucking points, man. Like, there comes a point where you can say everything you want about injuries and bad coaching and all that stuff. Many quarterbacks across the league have bad coaching and roster injuries or bad rosters in general. And they find ways to put points on the board, man. The Dallas Cowboys had 40, 40 more touchdowns than the Giants last year. That's unbelievable. That's insanity. And the Cowboys offense wasn't even cooking like we thought it could. We thought it could have been better. 40 more touchdowns. There's no more excuses. There has to be plays made. There has to be touchdowns scored. It's a must. I was at the preseason game on Sunday night with the Giants. You know, Tyrod Taylor looked solid. Brandon Webb actually looked really good. Not that it matters, but whatever. Talking to a couple fans in the stadium. You know, DJ looked okay. Yeah, he looked okay. Yeah, he looked okay. Yeah, you know, it was fine. He did it. It's not enough. It's over for Daniel Jones unless you freaking score some points, man. All right, so that's the quarterback question. As otherwise, for the Jets versus the Giants here, which coach do we feel more confident in after this year? Brian Dable, Robert Sala. Some could say it's the same question. It's not exactly. Sala's more a defensive coach, you know, LaFleur over there, OC for the Jets, whatever. But... I think there's a chance Dayball can, can can take this one, right? Because the offense with Daniel Jones or with Tyrod Taylor, if that becomes a thing at some point, if DJ gets hurt or he just loses the job at, at something, there's a reason to believe there'll be more aggression, there'll be more creativity, and there'll be more positive outcomes for the Giants offense. Even if you're not fully trusting Daniel Jones to be any sort of dude you can trust him to do more this year than he did last year because of Brian Dable. With the Jets, you know, it, it comes down to their defense with Robert Sala. Can that defense, which has some guys on it, who has a rookie corner who just got drafted real high, there's a chance they can be very good. I'm going to go with Dable because it's going to be newer because the win total for the Jets is not going to be anything special, even if they have a nice year. And I think uh, the offense and all that stuff is going to rain a cloud on Salah if the if the quarterback stuff is really bad and, and, and all that stuff. So I think Dayball can take that. Um, and, and it comes down to the Giants, man. Can they have one year where they stay healthy? Can Kenny Galladay do anything positive as a wide receiver here? Can Kadarius Tony play like 10 games? 10? I'm not asking for 16, 17. I'm asking for 10. There's Tony, man. Guy's crazy good. Crazy electric. You know, like, but 
it don't matter until he does something about it until he does it for more than three weeks in a year. Right. So it's question marks, man. It's question marks. So I think all in all, if I'm going to say who's going to have the better season, the jets or the giants, I think the giants end up with more wins just based off of schedule. Cause they have the easiest one in the league based off of uh, Daniel Jones being, even if like Zach Wilson takes a step up, they're probably not that far off as far as like, you know, top to bottom tiers and also the divisions in which they play, you know, they might just beat up on each other in, in the NFC East and the giants can sneak one on the Eagles sneak one, maybe two on the commanders and, and have a chance to like sneak into seven wins or something like that. Right. Whereas the jets are going to probably lose twice to the bills at best split with the Patriots at best split with the dolphins. Like there's not a real path for them to, to take advantage of their division and their schedule is much harder outside of division two but I do think you can walk away from this 2022 season feeling better about the Jets, feeling better about their whole situation with their talent, uh, playmakers, Brees Hall, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, all that fun stuff with the Jets. You can feel real good about it. Frank, uh, Franklin Myers, Carl Lawson's back. C, uh, CJ Mosley's going to be playing. Sauce Gardner, like I mentioned before. So I think there's a reason to, to feel good about the Jets, even if it doesn't mean wins. So that's it. That's my five big questions, y'all. NFL questions, 2022. What a year. I'm super duper excited for this season, man. I, I, I just had a Sunday where I watched the the whole Mets game basically. And it was like a ridiculous game because it was like a rain delay. It was the slowest moving game ever anyway. And I'm loving the Mets season. I'm having a great time watching them. They did lose to the Yankees on Monday night as expected. Double header Saturday, long ass game on Sunday. Go play the Yankees on Monday. Tough one, right? So if they come back on Tuesday, whatever, but Sunday, sitting on the couch and watching the Mets all day just made me yearn. I was feeling it, man. I was like, God damn, Scott Hansen, where are you? I need you, Scott. I need you. <laughs> so I'm excited, man. It's it's soon. I got five fantasy drafts in six days uh, coming up in a week here. Two on one night and then a couple of nights spread out after that. I'm just, I'm just amped. Can't wait to gamble. Talk to you about some picks. Going to do some more preview stuff before the season starts with Pat Boyle, amongst others. And uh, it's always fun, man. Football season. What a time to be alive. Shout out to my buddies, my boys, Monsignor Farrell Football. Heading up to their high school football camp next couple days. Get to work with some receivers, have some fun, see some nice high school football as they get ready for their season as the fall is upon us. Yeah, Game of Thrones might be back with the House of Dragons. I might be doing my first ever watch through of Game of Thrones. I don't care that winter is coming because fall comes first and football Sunday is around the corner and then we'll start talking about winter. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. I'm Pete Kennedy. This is Subway Sports Talk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or on YouTube. Subscribe with the notifications bell. And uh, if you like what you've been hearing, man, let me know. I'd love to hear from you guys. I love getting the feedback. I love hearing your takes. So send it to me on Twitter or Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. And you know, you know what to do. You're hearing me say these words. You can find me online. You can say what up. You can shout out whatever you want to shout out, and we'll have a nice conversation. Talk about some football, baseball, and more. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you all soon. Cheers.